It's that time again. It's a new episode of the CDI podcast. I'm Shelby Fiegel, Director of the University of Central Arkansas Center for Community and Economic Development, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with two of my University of Central Arkansas colleagues, Wendy Holbrook and Charlotte Strickland. Wendy is the Assistant Vice President for Student Engagement, Leadership, and Service in the Division of Student Services, and Charlotte is the Director of Professional Development and Training. In addition to these roles they serve in on campus, we're very fortunate to host both of them during our Community Development Institute each year on the campus of UCA. And they present the diversity and inclusion session to our year one class. So today we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into diversity inclusion and give you a preview of what you would learn at CDI from Charlotte and Wendy. Charlotte and Wendy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking me, Shelby. Good morning, Shelby. It's good to be here. Good morning. All right, so we're going to dive right into these questions, fast and hard. Um, and the first thing we always like to ask our guest, and I find really the most interesting part of our conversations is learning about your backgrounds and how you ended up in the positions you're in today. So, Wendy, we'll kick off with you. Tell us a little bit. Well, sure, Shelby. Um, I've been at UCA a while, um, and I've served in a number of different roles. My first position was Director of Disability Support Services, and then I was Director of Minority Services, um, went on to be Associate Dean and uh, work with Greek Life and Leadership, um, and now in my current position. So in all of those roles, I've worked with a diverse group of students, faculty, staff, um, advocating for those students. Um, so diversity has been just woven into what I've done here on campus and, you know, in my personal life as well. Thanks so much for sharing that, Wendy. Um, and I didn't know you had been at, how many years you've been at UCA? Oh, you would ask that question, wouldn't you, Shelby? <laughs> um, sure. This will be, um, actually my 21st year here that on campus. Amazing. No, I did not know that, Wendy. I always learn something new. Um, when talking to our guests, that is awesome. Um, you know, and I was one of those folks, you know, when you're younger, you think, how can someone work at the same place, you know, and retire from someplace? One thing about higher education is that every year it's different. There are, you know, you get new students coming in, new experiences. So no semester is the same, let alone considering a year. They're never the same. So it's been fun and exciting the whole time. Well, I love it. And you are a true UCA bear at heart, I know. Um, so now I'm going to move over to Charlotte. Charlotte, how about you tell us what's your background? Where'd you come from? How'd you end up where you are today? Well, thank you, Shelby. Um, I've been in higher education for 40 years now, which is pretty crazy. Um, I am a UCA alum, and then I left the state to go to graduate school. And from there, I worked at three different institutions in other states. And I, my background student services. So I did everything from Greek life to leadership programming, working with university cheerleaders, um, orientation, being orientation director. So anything and everything in student services I did over a course of time. And then, um, gosh, uh, the early 90s, we moved back to Arkansas and um I started doing some part-time work for the university and then we left the state again and I started to have a family 
in 91. So during that time in the 90s, I worked for a consulting company called Designs for Development in Texas. And literally, they flew me all over the United States doing leadership for college students on campuses. And so during that time, I was asked to do a multitude of different subject matters um, that pertain to leadership. And then in early 2002-2003, we moved back and um, I started doing consulting in, here in Arkansas and Vice President Ronnie Williams asked me to come and do some training back on the campus. So in 2004, I was hired full time because of a diversity incident on campus. And I had done some consulting on diversity, so I was hired. And so I've been here now since 2004, and that's when I established the Office of University Training, which its main mandate was to do compliance training. So all of a sudden, I went from student services more to an HR role because of my training experience. And at that time, I also started my own consulting company um, with a lot of training for companies and organizations because of compliance issues. And so I've been doing that since 2004, and I try to do as much of that for our employees, but also regionally and uh, work with, a lot with Wendy because we, we just make a good team. We can finish each other. We're like an old married couple. We can finish each other's sentences, you know, and uh, it's something we have a passion for because we can believe we really believe that conversations about diversity can truly make a difference. Yes, I definitely agree. And I love that you described your relationship as an old married couple. Anybody that comes to CDI, I know they love your session. And I think outside of the great content that you share, the relationship that they can see between the two of you and how you really engage the class um, is, is always what is ranked very high on those evaluations during year one. And between the two of you, I mean, I think we have an and a plethora of experience in higher ed um, and also in this in the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today, which really gets me into talking about diversity and inclusion. Charlotte, what are the definitions of or what are your definitions of diversity and inclusion? Well, you know, when you gave me this question, I really had to think about it. I'm very simple minded. I am a simple person. <laughs> So when I sat down and thought not only what the definition is, but what I would hope my life reflects, because you can say one thing and do another, uh, this is what I really came in. It is diversity is the richness and wide spectrum of humanity that is reflected all around us, whether it be skin color, language, spirituality, gender, and more. So I see it as a richness and wide spectrum of humanity that is around me, around every single one of us every single day. And inclusion is to take that richness, you know, to identify, understand, and appreciate that richness by daily placing myself around it and in it with the goal to listen, learn, and lean in. So love that. that. I think that's, that's kind of how I look at it. They're, those are beautiful definitions, and we need to submit them to Merriam-Webster immediately if that's not <laughs> word for word what it says. Um, so now that you've defined diversity and inclusion, Wendy, how do you personally practice those concepts in your life? You know, Shelby, I um, 
I think it's something we have to be intentional about. You know, Charlotte and I, well, all three of us, we we have the privilege of working at UCA with a diverse group of, of people every day, diversity of thoughts and ideas and backgrounds. Um, and so we we can engage in this type of work, but be intentional about the places you go, the conversations you have, um, and what you open yourself up to, you know? Um, we our friends should reflect differences. Um, the places, you know, we think about, we do it in certain ways, like we'll eat at different places. We want something different. You know, we want to try all this ethnic food and do all of these things. Um, but think about who you really build relationships with. Do you invite folks to lunch that may be a little bit different, you know, from you? Um, and do you um, take advantage of opportunities to see a different play or go see a different movie? Um, but I certainly want to make sure that I'm inviting experiences and I'm taking advantage of, advantage of experiences that are available to me. Um, and um, share those things with the folks around me and my circle of influence. But like Charlotte said, you have to, you know, walk walk the talk. So in your circle, do I make sure that we are using languages of respect? You know, do I make sure that you're pronouncing someone's name correctly? I'm not going to shorten your name because it sounds challenging to me. Do I respect the people that are, you know, in my life? Um, so again, there are a lot of different ways to do this, but we have to be intentional and we're in a season now where you're doing the work or you're not, you're respecting people or you're not, you're setting boundaries and saying, we don't say these things here, or I'm extending myself to a group of students who look like they may feel like they don't belong or seem to be isolated or I support someone in the grocery store if someone is, you know, maybe being disrespectful. So this is not the season to, to sit back. You've got to engage in what you believe in right now. Yeah, I think that that is so important, Wendy. And um, I think that anybody can take anything you said and apply it to themselves in a personal manner um, and take those concepts and apply them daily to their life. Uh, but I do recognize that personally practicing diversity inclusion is a little bit different than an organization practicing diversity inclusion. So I want to move into another question of what are some steps organizations or businesses can take to promote diversity and inclusion? So Charlotte, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I love this question because, you know, we can talk all day, but it's it's action and application. And that's one thing Wendy and I are real big about when we talk to people and companies and communities. It's it's what action steps. And we try to be very practical and provide that. So very quickly, we can offer you some suggestions. One thing I'm going to start off by saying that drives both of us crazy is when people will call and say, oh, it's time for our annual diversity. Can can y'all come because we need to check it off. That is not the mentality that an organization or a community should approach diversity. It is not a check the box. It should be an ongoing fabric of your organization. So the things I'm suggesting are, are ways that you can do things fluidly throughout the year instead of just a one time. Because let me tell you something, people see straight through that. 
And they're like, oh, I'm going for my annual training. And it becomes a joke, which it so it takes away from diversity instead of appreciation and valuing diversity. So here's the thing. Do you have a mission statement? Do you have company and organization or community chamber, wherever you are in your community? Do you have a mission statement? Do you have core values? And is the D word in that? And then if it is in that, not only do you have diversity in your mission statement, your core values, your vision, but then you have objectives and action steps under that statement that tell how that's fleshed out. So for example, if, you're, if your mission statement or policy says be inclusive in policy decisions, well, what does that look like? So an objective may be that we're going to hold a town meeting to ask all of our employees for input based on the new policy. That's how you're inclusive. That's how you hear all voices. So you have an objective to that statement. So give people, you know, a lot of times I hear from people, it's not that they know what to do. They don't know how to do it. So give them specific action steps under the mission statement and the core values on what does that core value look like? How does it sound like when it comes to coming to work every day or working together? Um, create an inclusion committee within your organization or community that meets regularly, that provides direction and suggestions. Celebrate your employees monthly and make sure that whoever you're celebrating is very diverse and tell their story. You know, because maybe you've seen that person, but you've been kind of somewhat awkward about going over to them. Well, all of a sudden you're reading about them, what they do in the community, what they value, what's important to them, and make sure that that representation is very diverse so that people start to know them in a very personal way. Provide an inclusion calendar to all of your community members or that shows the, the array of different celebrations that are going on nationwide that we may not even be aware of with a small explanation of what that celebration means. Once again, you're expanding people's lenses. So there's just so many small little things that you can do all 12 months that let people know you're reinforcing the differences that are around them. Wendy, I know you got some stuff to add. Yeah, I was going to, I knew that Wendy was going to want to jump in on this too. So Wendy, right. um, what are your suggestions for what organizations can do to promote diversity and inclusion? You know, I totally, of course, agree with what Charlotte just shared. Um, you know, but I, but going back to sometimes we just do things as far as going through the motions to say that I invited this person to this committee or I invited this person, you know, to, to share their ideas. But then do you actually listen and value what that person says? When, um, when one person makes a suggestion, do you talk over that person? Do you just want to check the box that you had a diverse group of people in the room? You know, as a leader, you should not always be familiar and comfortable with what your organization is doing. Because if so, then that means it's all centered around your perspective. So if someone from another culture or community comes in and shares an idea, you should learn something new. It should, it should be like, wow, tell me about that. How do we do that? Share more information. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of being uncomfortable. I really don't understand, you know, what that celebration is about. I don't understand why this is so important to this group or that group. Then do the work and start to understand. Ask more questions. 
and value what people bring. You know, some communities say, well, we invite people, but they don't show up. Well, that's probably because they have in the past and they knew it was just lip service. That you left feeling good about the fact that you had so many different people in the room, but you went right back to what was comfortable and familiar to you. And people know when they are not being valued, you know, Um, and that reputation stays in your community. You know, we go to certain shops and certain places where we all feel respected and the service is wonderful. But when it's not that, then we share amongst our community that they are disrespectful there. They're not going to listen to me there. I heard her talk of talking about all the Latino people right when I walked in. So I'm assuming she's going to talk about all the black people when I walk out. You know, so you build these reputations. Um, and Charlotte and I have shared this quote before by Werner Myers. It says, diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. So you can invite all these different voices and still make no changes. You know, so recognize that diversity is messy. We say this all the time, but also your discomfort doesn't signal danger. Discomfort doesn't equal danger. Discomfort can be an opportunity for learning and growing and an opportunity to include different voices in what you're doing. Yeah, I I love you saying all of this because it's got to be real. You know, you got to be transparent and, and it is you've got to allow yourself to be vulnerable with all of this. And that's hard for leaders because we want to look like we're in control. And many times in a divert within a diversity setting, when you're having really authentic conversations, you're not in control. If anything, it's just the opposite with, you know, some people say, I'm so nervous. Then you're right where you need to be. (laughs) you know, because this is messy. It is just messy. It's challenging and difficult. And we need to be intentional and put ourselves in it. So I'm so glad you said that, Wendy, because you're right. You're right. Yeah. and And I love that you all brought up the concept of that feeling uncomfortable, feeling nervous. I hear that a lot. Um, when we work with organizations and communities across the state, so many leaders are worried that they're going to misstep um, when they have these conversations. And I think a great way to not completely overcome that uncomfortableness or nervousness, but a, a way to take a step in the direction of further understanding and furthering your knowledge is obviously to immerse yourself in resources um, that can be provided either through books or articles. There's so many great podcasts. We have a podcast in Conway called uh, Black Belt Voices. Um, Adina White at the Chamber runs and they do a fantastic job uh, joining a group just to have these open conversations and make yourself vulnerable, like you said, Charlotte. Um, But I know that you two are the experts and I know you're not going to be able to provide every single thing on your list, but what are just a few resources that individuals can seek out um, to grow their knowledge in this subject? I tell you, this is hard because I, I've just got a list and, and you know, mine are, it, as, as, as I'm sure Wendy's are very diverse and some of these things are in book clubs or just reading on your own. Um, I recently started the book Cast and oh my gosh, I have to put it down periodically because it is so heavy, but it is phenomenal. I think it's on a bestseller list right now and I'm going to provide, you know, Wendy and I are going to provide a list 
for y'all to go to the website and look at, but I would highly suggest CAST because it's just talking about the CAST system in the United States and how it was created and how it marginalizes people of color and the different policies and things that have been set up in our country based on skin color. And I'm telling you, it is, it, it blows up your lens. You know, um, another one that is so different from that is I'm still here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And this was written by Austin Channing Brown. And um, one of my identities, other than my race, is my spirituality. And she is a Christian. So she talks about race within the church and race within a spiritual realm. So it really connected with me with many of my identities. And once again, and it's her personal journey. So it was very real for me when I read it and very convicting when I read it. And one thing I want to say too, um, and then I'm going to turn, let Wendy talk is um, she mentioned Verna Myers. Verna Myers, if you just put her in on YouTube, you will see videos and, and we've used many of her videos in our trainings. This woman's phenomenal. I would give anything to see her in person. So that's another name is go and Google Verna Myers and listen to this woman because she has such an incredible way of relating and sharing the reality of, of challenges within our country. Wendy? I would definitely agree. Those are some, some great resources. Um, you know, and one thing in our area, and I know they're doing this, doing this in, you know, different communities. Um, we have a group here at UCA, Conway Conversations, and um, we've been doing some book studies and just inviting people to talk. I mean, you, you need to hear people's stories, and that's how we share information. One of the books we um, read this uh, semester is Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You by Jason Reynolds and Ibram Kennedy, amazing. You know, we, we try to reflect back on the history. He says, this is not a history book. It just has a lot of history in it, you know? Um, and one thing I realized, honestly, doing some, during some of these conversations is that my lived experience, of course, is different than the person's next to me, but I really did not understand that why people really didn't talk about the, the history of how Blacks were brought to this country. Like, I honestly thought that was just normal conversation. I remember being a child and my parents sitting me down and we're going through the book of how um, the slaves are laid into the ship head to toe. I remember those images. I thought everybody had those conversations in their homes and we don't, you know, and that's why we read and we do more work. Um, another book we read was, this book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. It's a workbook literally a workbook that takes you through examining some of what you do. Um, a book, Charlotte, you were talking about as well. I thought about The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Um, that talks about that history and Jim Crow and how we are still uh, feeling the effects of redlining. You know, Black families couldn't buy homes in certain areas. And that is still true today. I mean, you know, so generational wealth a lot of times came from home ownership. Well, that wasn't an, an opportunity for us. Um, another book, um, Black Fatigue. This um, racial battle fatigue is real. 
You know, I've seen people say, I'm so tired of hearing about all this race and all these things. Well, how about living it every day? You might be a little bit exhausted if you try that. Um, so again, lots of lots of good resources. Uh, Brene Brown is another good resource to um, some good work that that she's doing. Um, I would say too, your friends on social media. If you have friends that are different that re- reflect a different um, culture than yours, look at what they post. Look at things they read about, and amplify that voice. Amplify a voice that's different than yours. Charlotte and I are friends on Facebook. And I might post something and she reposted and people in her circle are different than mine. And then they have a conversation about something that may never have been discussed um, had she not done that. Yeah, I'm um, glad that you closed on that. Or when did you have something else? I'm sorry. Um, I was just going to say, too, one thing I would encourage folks to do. We're talking about books. Buy books. When you give birthday gifts and baby shower gifts, buy books with brown people in them. You know, little brown kids have imaginary friends and they have funny puppies and they have funny stories. Buy books that reflect our community and our world. That's an easy way just to slide a little bit of diversity into a family's life. Not because they weren't going to do it, but they just didn't think about it, you know? So make that one of the things, let that be one of your things that you do. Well, that you just said kind of wrapped up what I was going to say. And um, and I'm glad you closed with those are such simple steps to move in a positive direction um, in your life. Talking about diversity inclusion as far as sharing something on Facebook. It's not hard. (laughs) Buying a book for a baby shower, wedding shower, birthday, whatever it might be, is not hard. (laughs) It's they're just so easy, tiny little things we can do every day. Uh, Charlotte, do you want to add anything else? Well, the other thing I wanted to add is we we focused a lot today on race because that right now that is just, in, you know, people will come up to us and say, God, the discussion, a, a lot of the discussion was on race. Well, we follow what people want to talk about. And right now that is in the forefront as far as our culture right now in the United States. That's the the big thing right now, but it certainly doesn't you know, minimize other areas of diversity. And one thing I will tell you, there is a new movie out called Feeling Through, and it's on YouTube. It's 18 minutes, and it's about a homeless man who meets a deaf and mute individual and how this meeting changes his life. And it's been nominated for an Academy Award, and you can watch it on YouTube. And it's phenomenal about disability, homelessness, um, social economic status and, and friendship. And it, it's just amazing. So there are things out there that just cover all aspects of diversity, the spirituality, sexual orientation, a lot of stuff going on, you know, so you can just type in a, an area of diversity you're interested in on Google and then just see what's available for pod. There's LGBTQ podcasts just for that particular population of people and expose yourself to different aspects of that. Wendy? You know, I would say too, Netflix makes it so easy. You can sit on your couch and, you know, I know during Black History Month, they had just a section here. Here are some movies you can watch. Women's History Month, Hispanic Heritage. You know, you can search a certain subject and find that. And it's easy to do that, to watch a movie and learn something or then have a conversation with someone about it. Um, so 
there's really no excuse for not learning something new and something different. We should stay curious. We should have questions our entire lives about um, the rich diversity of the world we live in. And I do want to say Charlotte and Wendy are going to provide some notes and some resources because we did not cover the full spectrum of what they wanted to share with that question. And we're going to link those notes and those resources on the CCD website on the CDI podcast page. Um, And with that, I really just want to thank Wendy and Charlotte for sharing your expert insights this afternoon. I know that our listeners um, got so much out of this conversation. Um, And UCA is just so lucky to have both of you. I'm lucky to have you as colleagues, but the university is lucky to have you on campus um, as resources, as friends to other employees and faculty and staff. And our students are lucky to have you as um, inspirations in their lives. And I also want to mention, we did a little bit of talking before the podcast started, Charlotte and Wendy do consulting um, across the state, but also across the Mid-South. I'm sure they'd come anywhere that uh, anybody wanted them to come to. Um, They've worked with a variety of groups, such as the Conway Police Department and Fire Department, the Fort Smith Leadership Program, the Mount Pleasant, Texas Chamber of Commerce, and even a utility company down in Hope, Arkansas. So they would be happy to come to your chamber organization or business to lead these discussions and have these conversations and provide that crucial training that we've been talking about. So Wendy and Charlotte, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Thank you, Shelby. Thanks, Shelby. Loved it. Always enjoy seeing you and visiting and getting to share some more with Wendy. So it's been an honor. Appreciate you. Absolutely. We'll probably have to have another podcast episode with the two of you down the line as well, because I know there's much more that we did not cover. Um, And I just want to say for our listeners on upcoming episodes, the CDI podcast will feature CDI graduates and participants, speakers, community partners, and community and economic development professionals from across Arkansas and the Mid-South. We hope to see you next week on the CDI podcast.